Today is October the 12th, 2023. Fall has fallen in most of the United States. Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer dealing with uh, all sorts of communications uh, duties here at Chapter 49. NTEU Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. I'm a retiree, and uh, that's, I guess, why I have time to do all these things. A man who may not have time to do these things, but makes time for it anyway. Duncan Giles, our Chapter President. Welcome back, Duncan. Thanks, Larry. It's always good to be here. And uh, I just have to say one thing to start off. You know, I'm we're in baseball playoff time, and I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. I mean, the last season, you know, Reds lost over 100 games, one of the worst seasons in its history. The Reds were the first professional baseball team, so that goes back a ways. So uh, you're a Los Angeles Dodger fan, and uh, what happened to the Dodgers? You know, as... My uh, amazing wife of two months, Kim, was driving me in today. I said, the first thing Larry's going to do is dig me about the Dodgers, and by golly, it's well-deserved. I've got to be able to take it. When your hitting stops and your pitching goes awry, that's not a good combination to have in a five-game series, or in this case, a three-freaking-game sweep. Yeah, I, I watched the game last night. I could stay. I, you have to get up, really. I was able to stay up and watch it last night as a retired guy, and Man, it's just like boom, boom. They have four home runs in one inning. Somebody went back and said, that's the first time that's happened in all of baseball postseason history, going back to the beginning of the World Series. I mean, that. so the Dodgers, I mean, it's really sad. I mean, I, I feel, feel for people who are uh, who are fans of the Dodgers because they just had a total breakdown. Now, my Reds barely missed the playoffs, and that was a, that was that was an improvement over the previous year. But uh, the Dodgers had this great regular season, so I'm just really wondering how these teams in Major League Baseball have these great regular seasons, and then they start to struggle in the playoffs. But anyway, we this this is not a sports podcast, but I had to give Duncan a little little dig on that one. We Every now and then, uh, Duncan, we do get breaking news. We are recording this in the morning of October 13th, mid-morning, and an announcement came out just in the last hour before we record this. The Social Security Administration has announced the cost of living adjustment, the COLA, for Social Security for next year, beginning in January of 24, 3.2%. Of course, many of the retirees now under FERS get Social Security, so that's important to them. I'm under the old CSRS system, and so we will, as those retirees, will get the full 3.2% COLA in 2024. But then we get into CSRS, not just that, but we get into the FERS. CSRS is pretty clear. FERS, because it's more than a 2% COLA, they take a 1% haircut. So the FERS part of your retirement, if you're under FERS, will increase by 2.2%, one full percentage point below uh, the CSRS and Social Security column. should be noted that NTEU has been before Congress time and time again advocating for the Equal COLA Act to bring FERS back into compliance with the rest of the retirement system, for the most part, in, in government. So it's 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 sad that FERS people will have to, to suffer from this. I guess it's good news in the sense that uh, overall inflation is down, and the 3.2% is actually a little higher than some of the experts expected. But uh, I guess it's important information for retirees like me. 
Absolutely. And uh, you're right. We've gone, NTU nationally has gone onto the Hill and tried to rectify this and continue to do so. And there are uh, a couple of folks in Congress who want to, uh, you know, sponsor bills as they have tried in the past to be able to equalize this so there won't be any uh, chained cola for FERS retirees, as that's called. Uh, so it would be the same as it is for CSRS retirees or Social Security retirees. They Everybody would get the same amount. So we're, we're working on that. It would be nice. Um, but it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a push, as it has been since they instituted this. You know, when this whole first thing was negotiated way back in the 1980s, you know what they described this whole first thing, uh, this called cost of living adjustment. They called it the diet cola, and I think that was probably accurate. It's a diet cola for these first people. So just understand if you're under furs and you're retired and you. Watch or listen to this podcast. NT is very aware of the inequity and works hard, is working hard to fix it and with, with other people who are like-minded. But uh, we just haven't had much success. We will not stop. We will continue uh, until this, this, this equity is taken care of. Okay, Duncan, let's talk about the budget. But before we can talk about the budget, we do need to talk about another issue. Government Function and dysfunction, and when I say dysfunction, we're talking about the uh, about this whole situation in the House of Representatives, unable to govern itself, unable to elect a speaker, and this is really goes all the way back to to the election that happened most recently, most recent federal election last year, because the Republican Party, with uh, being out of power in the White House, what normally happens, and there are a few exceptions in history. If a president, let's say a president is elected and it's a Democrat, in the next uh, off-year election, two years from then, normally the other party will will get a, a big lift out of that. So in, in this case, the Republicans thought they thought we were going to have a red wave last year and they were going to take over Congress. Well, guess what? The Senate is still barely controlled by Democrats. And the House is very close. The Republicans do have a majority, but it's a very narrow one. And what that has created is a huge schism in the Republican Party, and and I and it's and as, as an old political scientist myself, I look at this as total dysfunction. There seems to be an incentive for people when we have these districts that are drawn for one party or the other, and there are very few competitive uh, districts between Democrats and Republicans uh, in the Congress. That everybody seems to go to their radical left or right. And what happens is nobody seems to have an incentive to govern. And that's the, that's the issue I see as, as before us. It could happen in either party. It just happens to be the Republican Party at the moment. So well, before we can talk about the budget, Duncan, I mean, we're, we have to talk about a Speaker of the House. Now, you never know when people are going to watch and listen to this podcast. And by the time you watch or listen to it, I'm hoping the whole thing will be cleared up but as we talk now on the morning of October 13th, everybody thought it was all going to be settled yesterday. And now it seems to be in, 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 in more dis, how should I put it? There seems more disunity. There doesn't seem to be any coming together of who, who the speaker is going to be. Would very much like to hear your thoughts on this whole speaker issue and the way it impacts uh, the fact that we have a continuing resolution that is going to expire in the middle of November. And of course, 
our budgets are still not set for the fiscal year we're in at the moment. Yeah, I was I was shaking my head when you said by the time folks hear this, hopefully it'll be cleared up. And I'm thinking, I, I'm assuming they're going to hear this then in the three months because it may take that long, unfortunately, for them to coalesce around a speaker candidate. It does, con you know, it does look like it's more and more fractured and nobody wants to give and nobody wants to compromise or, you know, talk to the other side, even if it's within the same party. So, you know, it's it's tough to get that done. And until that gets done, until there's a speaker, then we can't even begin to look at budgets. And, um, you know, as you and I were talking pre-shows, you mentioned uh, both the announced candidates right now, and there could be other candidates out there because neither of these candidates is going to make it to the number they need to be appointed speaker. I do not believe, um, you know, they're, they're going to need another continuing resolution. We're 35 days away. We've, we've had 10 days of a continuing resolution. Now we've got 35 more days and that's awfully quick to, you know, they, you know, some in Congress, God bless them, want to do appropriations and regular order. I think you would like that. I know I would like that. I think everybody would like that. But they've got to get their act together first. And I'm talking about everybody in Congress getting their act together to be able to do that. So it's it makes it extremely tough because there are a lot in certain parties that want to really cut uh, many programs, including funding for the IRS. We're just now starting to get on our footing where we're getting hiring. We're able to answer phone calls. We're able to go talk to taxpayers, start auditing the folks that we need to. But until we get, you know, continuous proper funding for several years, we're not going to be able to do that. And if we start getting cuts, it's going to put us right back behind the eight ball. Well, yes, every you know, obviously you and I are very much in agreement on, on all that. Uh, I think it's interesting that uh, Pete Buttigieg, Indiana guy, um, went on television and said, okay, if, if the people of the House of Representatives get these 30% cuts across the board they want, we're going to have to close air traffic control centers. So if you want to fly, good luck. You may not be able to fly out of the airport you want or any airport quickly. That's just one example. Our, we talk about IRS, and obviously that's our biggest concern. But there would be government-wide mayhem if that happened. And I saw a political commentator just this morning talk about the fact that the House of Representatives is acting like they run the whole government. You know, the fact is they have to deal with the Senate, and even the Republicans in the Senate have some different views on the budget than a lot of the House members do. And, of course, there's a president, a Democrat, who has to sign off on any budget. And I would be surprised if there could ever be enough to override a veto in the current Congress. So the president has to sign on to this as well. It's like they have, but I think first things first, you have to get a speaker. You have to get somebody who's actually running the, the, the House. Then you take the next step. So when we talk about the IRS budget, all federal budgets, the continuing resolution beginning to run up in the middle of November, the real issue is we can't talk about a budget until we have a functioning house. Don't you think that's the key here? Absolutely. Yeah, that you you've got to learn to walk before you can run and having a having a speaker of the house is a baby step that 
should be pretty easy to accomplish, but it's not going to be. Now, let's talk about this as it impacts a couple of other things. Uh, we you talked about the COLA for next year. We know what the raise is going to be for retirees. We just talked about that. But the president has proposed a 5.2% average increase in federal pay for those still working in uh, 2024. That would be a calendar year 24. Uh, the fact is this dysfunction impacts that. You know, nobody in Congress, and including the Republican Party, has come up with another number. So until they do, or unless they do, that raise figure will, will stand. We'll wait and see. You know, time will tell. A lot has to happen before we know that. But, Duncan, it, it doesn't just impact the, the, the pay raise or put the amount into question. You know, we're coming up on, on awards season. What impact does this congressional impact have on our awards program at IRS? Yeah, yeah. when you're talking about the pay raise, 4.7% and then a half percent locality pay. Until Congress starts passing bills, and that's mentioned in it, we're not going to be seeing that. With awards right now, uh, traditionally they had come out uh, you know, several years ago within the last quarter of the fiscal year. And then the IRS said, well, you know, we're always going to need extra time to get everything together uh, to get the money together. So, you know, they're usually paid out now somewhere in late November or between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. We don't know if that's going to be the case this year. We're thinking the money's still there. I'm assuming the money is still there because it was should have been appropriated from 23 funds, but we just don't know that. Um, we have no idea for sure. I think the IRS is in a just like every other federal agency right now, they're in a crunch money-wise, and they may want to try and use those funds in the short term for operations rather than, you know, putting them out in awards. So could the awards be delayed? Absolutely. We just don't know for sure, and I can tell you that National NTU is looking for those answers. So we're asking the questions at the national level, and we're not getting answers from the management for the reasons you're saying. There's so much uncertainty about their own ability to run the agency in this continuing resolution time that uh, that's that's the hang-up, correct? That is the hang-up, and, you know, it's one of the things, like, everything is impacted. When they had the, um, when we had the almost shutdown, there were a lot of uh, folks who were going to be furloughed. And I think that in, if there is a, if the government does shut down in that mid-November date, I think the numbers for shutting down will be even greater until the start of the new year when they're going to want people on the phones. I think it's going to be, um, you know, even greater numbers. So all of this stuff is is interwoven together, and we need to make sure that we get a speaker, we get a budget, and a budget that's reasonable. Uh, for us and for every other governmental agency, because Secretary Buttigieg is exactly right. You're going to have canceled flights. You're going to have all sorts of things if they do these uh, draconian cuts, like many in Congress are hoping to do. So we are watching this very carefully. This whole government dysfunction we're seeing in the House has had an impact on the budget, which should have already started this year, but of course has, has not. We have a continuing resolution for the moment, impacts our awards program, impacts the amount of pay raise we're going to receive 
in calendar year 24. NTU's on top of this. Again, we keep you up to date. I'll put a plug in for our uh, Facebook page. Go to Facebook if you're on that. Just search under NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. Feel free to like or follow our page. We try to keep uh, the, the most current news on there as best we can. I get a little behind sometimes, but I do the best I can to keep things up to date so you'll know what's happening, and that's probably the best real-time information that we have if you're looking for a good source there. Yeah, and Larry, I would like to say one thing just to give folks an example on that Facebook page. How soon after the announcement came for the Social Security uh, raise, and that impacts the CSRS and the FERS as well, how soon after that was that on the Facebook page? It had to be minutes. It was minutes, yeah. I first put, uh, 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 I think it's the Federal Times had a story on it. Then NTU came out with something, so I put that up there as well. which put a little more texture onto it for, for federal employees. But no, we I do believe in trying to use that as a, as a real-time way to get information out. So we're... Tr- I was lucky. I was at the computer when it happened, so that helped. <laughs> I, but... just, I just want to give you kudos because <laughs> okay. that was – I saw that, and it was almost real time. And so, yeah, folks, that is the place to get the up-to-date information because as we get it, we want you to know. There's there's no hidden agendas or anything like that. When we get the information, we want to share it with you, and that's our best and quickest way to do it. Well, let's move on to another issue. There's a term we've been hearing lately, Duncan. You've talked about it before, continuous vetting. That essentially means federal workers are going to be subjected to even more security background checks. Explain what this is about and what employees are going to face when this happens. Yeah, what's usually happened is you have an initial check when you're a federal employee. Depending upon your position and the needed security clearances, you could have more checks, or they could look into different things. What they're trying to go through now is what they're calling going to call continuous vetting. And that's where OPM is going to be looking at databases for uh, certain positions and eventually all positions uh, in public trust, which is basically covering everything in the government, to check to see if there are anything uh, that's going on that could impact you or the career, or the information that you hold. Uh, Arrests is a big one, bankruptcies, things of that nature. So they're going to be doing this more and more uh, starting in, you know, FY24. Um, Most IRS employees will not be impacted right away due to our security clearances are not super high. But, um, you know, that from what they're saying, it will be coming. So just want folks to be aware of that. And this would be replacing those you know, every five years or 10 years, uh, things that they do that they take a look at. So what kind of burden, excuse me, what kind of burden will this put on the employee? My recollection of this, and again, that was years ago when I had my last one, and that was while I was already working for the government. Uh, it was pretty, I mean, it's pretty intensive. I had a lot of information I had to provide. Uh, how intrusive is this going to be? It should be. uh, What they're trying to do is get away from the actual forms filling out and things of that nature. They want to do it more in the background. So, uh, you know, getting more information shared with them from other governmental agencies, law enforcement agencies, things of that nature uh, should run in the background. And they're hoping to uh, catch more things that way than uh, basically trying to target certain 
groups or individuals on a random basis just as a spot check type thing. So how intrusive it might be, uh, it may not be intrusive, but it sure as heck will be um, more uh, emphasis on this and will go potentially deeper than uh, most employees expect. So, Duncan, that means you're going to have to behave from now on. Oh, that won't happen. By the time this happens, I'll be retired. So, you know, I can continue to do uh, to do my usual self, which, as uh, my wife and my daughter can tell you, is not good. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, uh, we have talked earlier about something, and this was a big publicity splash. IRS announced some time ago that there would be no unannounced field visits from ROs. There were some extreme exceptions to that, but as a routine sort of thing, ROs will not be going out unannounced to see these taxpayers. Well, lots of revenue officers have had questions that have been submitted to uh, the NTU chapters and which have been forwarded up to the national office. So NTEU is asking these questions of the, the, the management that the ROs are asking. So first of all, give me an example of what sorts of questions have come up from the ROs on this unannounced visit policy, and what, if any, response has been received by the management on this? You know, things, it, this is one of those things where it has every good intention. We're doing something for the security of revenue officers. They don't carry guns. They're doing, you know, going up and knocking on doors. And, you know, most folks <laughs> should be expecting it, but act surprised or not real happy. So, okay, we're not going to have them go knock on doors. That, though, presents other issues and problems where you're coming into the office. You know, instead of going unannounced, we're going to have people come into the office, make appointments, come in there. What type of security does the office have? Are these taxpayers going to be going through metal detectors themselves? If it's not in a federal building, chances are they may not. What other security is at the building to make sure that, you know, these taxpayers who are now having their first contact and are ready for the first contact instead of it being sort of a surprise to them, um, you know, those types of things. And the IRS... Um, from everything I've been hearing from our folks at National, we've been asking these questions, and they're very understanding of it. They they know uh, what the issues are. They're looking into them. They're working them to try and figure out what's the best way to do this. So it's it's one of the uh, unattended consequences of good thoughts is what this amounts to. So there'll be more coming on this. So the management is committed. They will try to provide the answers to these questions, and they're working through that procedure, I'm sure. So the, what I'm getting from you is that these RO concerns are, are being heard by the management, and they're trying to factor that in as they try to come up with, with final regulations and procedures. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. At the highest levels of the IRS, um, the commissioner is very uh, committed to employee safety, and so he's told the folks down below him to, you know, make sure that we get this solved in the best way possible. On to another issue. We've talked about hoteling. Then again, we're not talking about staying in a hotel. We're talking about sharing desks, how often you have to share a desk. Uh, you know, people telework, they come in. Do you have your own desk? Do you share a desk with somebody else or maybe several other people? That's really what hoteling is about. Uh, so the real question that has been coming up, and I'm sure you've been hearing this, 
you know, I, are we moving to a place where in order to have your own desk, you have to come into the office every day and never telework? If you occasionally telework, can you keep your own desk? I mean, I, I, I think what's happening and what I'm seeing, and I'd like to get your take on this because you're right there on the ground floor. You know, what is, if somebody says, I would really like to have my own desk, is the agency saying, fine, just don't telework? So where are we, where are we coming down on this or do we have good answers to these questions? Yeah, right now it's sort of in between. Management is wanting to, um, you know, reduce space with more folks teleworking understandable. So they want to have folks who are, you know, doing teleworking the vast majority of the time coming in twice a pay period. Okay. We're going to be looking at desk sharing for you. Now they've said that folks who aren't even uh, teleworking as much, the reoccurring folks, we're going to be looking at doing it for you as well and doing smaller uh, spaces as well as desk sharing. Now, I've had conversations up and down the line. National is working this issue, and I've talked to management and executives up and down the line. And what really gets me is I understand the need to want to do this. But when there are available desks, when there are desks out there in a post of duty, why do you want to do hoteling right now? You know, if as, as you have more employees, as you have more people coming in, and there's a necessity for it, I get it. But until there is, and until you give up this rental space, what's the issue? Why is why is this burning need? In other words, why do you want to have four people hoteling at a desk? Because they can go higher than three to one. You know, if you have four people in this desk, but you've got three other empty desks. Well, we want to keep those empty. This this just blows my mind. It makes no sense. And so far, um, been able to have very reasonable discussions with that, but management at the highest level really wants to push the hoteling option um, even before they can uh, do a release of rental space. So, again, having been both a union official and a manager, I'm just guessing that these people at higher levels of the agency are saying, let's make sure we implement this policy now to heck whether there's room or not. You know, that seems to be what you're hearing from these people. So whether or not you may have a, a post of duty with lots of space, but the hoteling, they're going to demand hoteling just to begin the process, which is a rather interesting position to take. Yeah, I call that, I do a lot of my, what I call a German shepherd look when they tell me this kind of thing. And that's basically just sitting there cocking my head like this. And cocking my head like that is something you just don't understand. And, you know, it's like if they can show me the logic in doing it before it's needed, I'm absolutely all for listening to it, as I'm sure National is. But as of now, I haven't, and I'm sure National has not, National into you, has not heard a reasonable explanation of why it has to be done immediately if there are still open desks out there. Let me bring one more issue up before we we move on to the end of the podcast, because every now and then we hear this clamor for pay reform. The latest came just a few days before we record this from someone called the pay the federal employee pay agent. Now, the pay agent is kind of a key figure in implementing federal employee policy, particularly about pay. 
We've heard these arguments before, really for years, saying the general schedule is out of date. You can make that com I guess you can make that comment, and yes, it would have some validity. It's not so much is the general schedule out of date, but what do you replace it with? I mean, that's always been the whole issue. NTEU has always been open to the, uh, how should I put it, suggestion of pay reform. But, Duncan, the real question is what kind of pay reform are you talking about if you're trying to take money out of the pockets of federal employees? And some of these pay reform proposals you see in Congress would do that. Obviously, that's not something NTU or anybody else representing federal employees would want. So when you see these arguments for pay reform, tell me what your reaction is. Yeah, my reaction is exactly what you said. What are you going to replace it with? That's the thing. Show us a system that is uh, more fair to that, and we'll be more than happy to take a look at it. You know, management's answer when they come back is pay banding. And, you know, whenever a management official says that to me, I can't speak for national and to you, but whenever they say pay banning to me, I just start laughing and going, yeah, I want you to do a poll of your management officials. Tell me how much they enjoy pay banding. Can you please? Because that's a hugely unpopular system. Um, and it's very subjective as opposed to objective. And that's the thing that's the beauty of the general schedule. Does it have its flaws? Absolutely. But it's very objective. The goals are very clear how long you have to be in this and this and this to move on. So it's, um, it's, it's very difficult to come up with that solution. Are there problems? Yeah, but you have to have a solution to go with it. Well, as, as a retired manager who was once pay banded, do I have a vote? I agree with all those managers you were talking about. It's the worst system ever devised. It totally, as somebody who worked in, in uh, field assistance, you know, the frontline managers had, had uh, you know, territory managers above them. And if you had a fair territory manager, you know, I had no problem. But if you have one that's not particularly fair, it's, it's a nightmare. And uh, so it is totally subjective. And that's why that system is not at all loved by the managers under it. So I would have to, to say I would vote in favor of not going to pay banding for or expanding it past the managers who are under it now who would prefer to be under the general schedule, to be quite honest with you. Okay, Duncan, time for final comments. Uh, my final comments going to be on what's going on over in the Middle East. Um, I think it's just a horrible situation. I understand the plight of the folks in Gaza and the Palestinians, but what Hamas has done is absolutely inexcusable. And, you know, my heart goes out to everyone that's been impacted by this, either directly or indirectly. Terrorist actions cannot be allowed to go unpunished. This is their 9-11 as they've so... Uh, spoken about it and it's understood and you know when people say well we want to you know we're place the blame and what happened and why did this happen absolutely that needs to be investigated but right now the actions of uh this this terrorist group need to be stomped out you know duncan I, i've known a lot of people who have lived in that part of the world i've never visited the middle east but i'll tell you one thing the people who are going to pay the price for all this conflict will be the civilian populations of Gaza 
and of Israel. They're the people that are going to suffer under this. And I, my heart goes out to all of them. And the, these governments and these terrorist groups, they've got to, you know, they're, they're battling each other, and I'm not going to get into that. I'm just, my heart totally goes out to the people of Israel and Gaza. They're both suffer, suffering terribly, and I would hope that uh, some, there could be some way to, to protect and help these, these innocent civilians caught in the middle of a conflict that uh, they did not create themselves in most cases. You know, Duncan, I, the world's a tough place. You know, we have wars in Ukraine, and we have a war in, in the Middle East, and there are small wars in many parts of the world, and it's a tough place. It's a hard thing to, to keep track of the news. I'm a news junkie, and it doesn't it in, uplift me to see some of the news that we have got to deal with. And I had somebody I worked with years ago who gave me some advice, and I'm just going to mention this now. There's not much an individual person can do to deal with all the conflict in, in the world. But there is one thing that, you know, small thing everybody can do, and you can do it today if you choose to do it. Find somebody with whom you've had a conflict, somebody maybe you don't like, somebody that has rubbed you the wrong way in some way, and do something nice for that person. That's one way you can try and Lower the temperature. It may it may do nothing. Maybe the other person won't make any it won't make any difference to them. But it will make a difference to you having made that overture, having done that. I always thought that was great advice. It's not an easy thing to do, to do something nice for someone with whom you don't feel very, very, very good about, or feel it hasn't treated you fairly. Uh, and we all have people like that in our lives. Do something nice for that person. And you know you're going to have you're going to find out that uh, no matter how it works out on the other end, that you are going to feel better about yourself. I'm, it's not a solution to all the world's problems. It's just one small thing you can do today. It was some advice I was given years ago, and I'm I'm passing it along now for whatever it may be worth. So we uh, we appreciate very much the fact that you are listening to the Chapter Forty Nine podcast or watching it if you choose to to watch us on YouTube. We try to make this a weekly podcast. Hey, we don't make it every week, but we do try our best uh, to make this uh, a weekly podcast. And I want to thank all of you for watching and listening because our numbers show you're out there. And as long as you have an interest in watching or listening to this podcast, you know, I'll take time out of my retirement time and Duncan takes time out of his busy schedule uh, most weeks to record this podcast and we're fortunate that we've had people from national nteu and some of uh, duncan's fellow chapter presidents as guests and we'll have some in the future as well but right now we want to appreciate the fact that you're with us i uh, want you to can and if you like the podcast let people know and uh, you know kind of send out a link and let others know what's out there in the meantime we thank you again for watching and listening please be safe and be kind